Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration Service for the Center of Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. Invite the silence. When we learn to take refuge in the silence, we begin to discover the knower within. The part of us that doesn't struggle with mental concepts. Yesterday, my Zen calendar said the perfect man employs his mind as a mirror. It grasps nothing, it refuses nothing, and it receives everything, but it does not hold on to it. And so as we invite the passageway of thoughts to move in and out of the mind, we develop a capacity to detach from thought and yet observe them they arise. So there could be a fearful thought, and we meet it. Oh, there's a fearful thought. Or maybe there's an angry thought. And there's reason to be angry on the planet right now because there's a lot of injustice. And so when the angry thought arises, ah, there you are, my little anger. And we begin to realize that we are the awareness, this awakened presence. that observes life without getting entangled in the narrative of life. And in that, we're not running away from the world around us. In a strange sort of way, we're meeting it and listening to it and then finding a place of response. Today, I'm going to speak about living in an awakened flow an awakened flow, one breath at a time, a flow that means we're always in this experience. It's not a destination we get to. It's a life that we're constantly living, moment to moment, breath to breath. Could we do it in an awakened way? Pam Hardy reminded me that our job is to take the one seat, the seat of the one, the one that knows no other. And then smile, because we're spiritual beings. We are spirit itself, and we're having a human experience. And so when our humanity and our divinity come together in an awakened sort of way, well, then we can live in the flow of life, not as a victim, but as someone who can navigate the waters of change with a smile on her lips and a song in her heart. I am safe, it's only change. I am safe, it's only change. So with a conscious intention to explore 
discover and reveal. I invite you to take a deep integrating breath. Give a sigh for the divine. Ah, and open your eyes and be here with me in this sacred space where there's only one seeing itself yet again. So look around at your own self. Oh, there you are. Whoa, I was wondering where you went. I think I forgot you were here. Yeah. It's all about forgetting and remembering. And when I remember, I remember that it's all God and that it's all good and it's all here for us. Even the stuff that seems rather painful. Ham Hardy came to our revealing service this morning and she shared she was watching CBS this morning, which is where my husband takes his religion, CBS this morning. And they were talking about the powerful force of gratitude in life. And then she commented that those moments that were the darkest and most troubling that we've lived through ultimately end up as the most grateful places that we can take refuge in because we've met something that was adverse and we found some kind of redemption out of it. Jody was showing me this picture of a little cat that they rescued who was a mess. I mean, his face was a mess, but with a little bit of love, his face started to mend, and with a little bit of more love, he's held in the arms of his new owner, and he's as good as gold. Now, what if that little cat who went through that compromise is so grateful now to have been rescued and saved? That's why I have rescue dogs. Anybody have rescue dogs and cats? Boy, do they appreciate someone who sees them. I see you, and you matter to me. I'll never forget, I was doing a wedding here at the center. My husband came to this wedding. He never comes to anything, but he came to this wedding. And we were leaving, uh, that was on a Saturday, we were leaving on Monday for, to go to Istanbul with Gigi. We were going to travel with the Sufis. And Jody, in her rescue thing, had a little event at PetSmart, and she said, oh, there's a dog that I think would be perfect for Baby Speck. We had just rescued Baby Speck. She was a handful. So Trey and I, after having a glass of champagne, that's the warning. If you have that glass of champagne, <laughs> your resistance is not there. So we'd had the glass of champagne. We went to this place, and there was a dog that was just like Baby Speck. And I thought, I have a handful with Baby Speck. That would be two handfuls. But simultaneously, in a little cage sitting there, was Bert. We both looked at him. We looked at each other. We looked at Bert. And we said, is he available for adoption? Jody said, well, yeah. She said, Richard was thinking about it. But, and they said, oh, well, then that's okay. No. She said, but if, you're, if you want him. We looked at Bert. We opened the cage door. He looked at us. Trey opened the back of the truck car. He jumped in the truck. Well, that glass of champagne worked its wonders. We went home. We opened the door. He ran in the house. She was sleeping in the living room. And they played and they played until they fell into each other's arms. And we said, oh, well, we can't do this because we're leaving for Istanbul on Monday. But never say no to the universe because Jody said, I'll take care of them while you're gone. And as fate would have it, it was a marriage made in heaven. So what if there's this divine love? that's operating in the universe. And if we can suspend our belief and our thought that it has to look a certain way, it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. Trust me. It's going to look the way it's supposed to look. And then we get to say, okay, this is how life gave me this experience. I love to you know, joke on the fact that I said anybody but Trey. I've been with him almost 50 years. I said anybody, anywhere but Alabama. I've been here 34 years. And I said, I'll do anything but be a minister. Well, hell, I don't have a clue, obviously. So when you turn your life over to an intelligence that's greater than you and you're willing to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and opening your heart, this morning blew me away on the Zen calendar, so I had to rip it off with the announcements. Remind me, Jody, remind me to give the announcements. Today, 
It's worth its weight in gold. Your heart must become a sea of love. Well, I think it's about love. What do you think? Your heart must become an ocean of love. And your mind must become a river of detachment. Jean-Anne. Your mind must become a river of detachment while your heart is an ocean of love. Holy cow. And then I read in this Mark Nepo book, if you want to arrive at a sacred place, put love into your hands and you're done. Well, when I read that, I just put the book down and I said, you mean my whole ministry is about putting love into your hands and you're done? When Terry Tudor used to come to class, now he's working full time, I never see him. But when he would come to class and the pug would be in class, I'd say, Terry, will you help me to the car with the pug? And when he would get down, I would see these arms of love pick up that pug. And he would carry him to the car. And with arms of love, he would put that little pug down. The pug knew he was loved. And so when Humphrey gets compromised, and he's compromised most of the time, I realized after reading that one little sentence, I've been bringing him up and down the stairs with love. I've been carrying him up at midnight to do his pee and poop with love. It's all been done with love, not with resistance. And when Jody comes over like his mama to trim his nails, because sometimes they grow and he can't walk, she picks him up with love. He puts his head on her chest with love. And even though he'll snap at her fingers a couple times, he snaps with love because it's all the arms of love. Yeah, so we're doing this series this month, and it's, it's journeying to be where we are. How many of us journey to be in the present moment? We're always seeking for some someday when I will be happy, I'll go here and I'll have that adventure. Or I used to, I went to Africa and my, at 31, my life was over. I've never done anything since. No, all you ever have is the sacred moment right now in whatever compromised place you might be in your life. And I've got a blind and deaf pug and I find the time with him right now is so sacred. As I remember on my pets, have they made their transitions when Bert was old like Humphrey and he couldn't walk, it was such a privilege. to. And I saw Jody do it first. She pulled and lifted him up. And Jody, uh, Gigi reminds me, you do it with your core. Pick him up with your core. And she carried him up those steps. And I said, and I don't mean to sound sexist, well, if Jody can carry Bert up and down, I should be able to. And wouldn't you know it, I had enough strength. And it was such a privilege to lift that old dog up and down those steps as he waddled around in his last time on earth. Now, when I went up to Ohio, Trey jokingly said, don't be surprised if there's not a pug here when you get home. I said, don't joke with me like that. The next thing you know, you're gonna put me down because I'm a little bit of an inconvenience. You know, I think sometimes you have those conversations. When is it an inconvenience to have a compromised animal or human, and when it is, is it an honor? And I think we're all somewhat compromised here. I'm looking around and I think, Michael, you're probably the youngest. Didn't you just have a birthday? What are you now, 32? He's 38 years young. Isn't that amazing? No, we have a young lady back there. I think who's much younger than you. She's a pretty young thing. So yeah, I'm getting to the end of this book that Trey gave me as a gift. It's called Falling Down and Getting Up, and it's Mark Nepo's latest book. And he concludes this book with this idea of living in an awakened flow in the rest of your life. It was Emerson that said, um, what does he say? There is a stream whose source is hidden, and from whence it comes I know not. But when it comes, he says, I am a pensioner. I draw from that. So there is this something that is spirit that's available to all of us. Could we access it? Bob was playing Chopin this morning in church before the service started, and one beautiful waltz after the other, and I said, you can feel his soul when you play these notes. And I told Bob, I said, put the love into your hands. And then he smiled, and then I felt Chopin's soul coming through the notes as he was playing. And I said, where did these beautiful things come from? And he read the little note. 
Chopin had many young ladies that he was in love with, and so he would write them these beautiful waltzes. I said, oh, that you-know-what. He was just a womanizer. No. But you can see when you love someone and you put the love into your hands, the notes, that's why you feel the love when he plays, and because he puts the love there too. So in the end of this book, he talks about what commitments can you make, he's asking all of us, to the art of living that will keep you in an awakened flow. And the key is to live in the question. So I'm leaving you with that question, Miss Nancy and Mr. Lee and all of you. How can you live in an awakened flow? Honoring this life that you've been given, knowing that wherever you are is where you need to be. And you know how it's perfect? It's because it is. So he says, ask yourself that question. How can I keep living in an awakened flow, not denying my suffering and not letting my pain define me? At the beginning of this chapter, he says, we're all going to experience suffering in life. Can we meet that suffering with a sense of equanimity? And also not drown in our pain. Some people drown in their pain. You know, they can't handle it and they make it big and they paint it red. So he's asking us to have an awakened experience around the suffering on the planet, the suffering within yourself. And here's how he says, when we can dive and stay immersed in an awakened flow of life, we're not going back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep, stay awake. We get to then take responsibility for the life that we're entering. Yeah. So when we can dive and stay immersed in an awakened flow of life, we become preservers and protectors of the universe in our own unique way. We're preservers and protectors of the universe with the big U in our own unique way. This is a time for Vishnu, the sustainer. We need it on planet Earth for the environment, for the species, for the human species, for the human race. We need this Vishnu consciousness. So being immersed in the depth of life is what allows us to be balanced in life, to be immersed in the depths of life. We're not living in a place called denial anymore. And so when a little frail cat comes to your doorstep at five in the morning and goes, meow, meow, you're not pretending that it doesn't exist. I found out from the lady who finally let the cat in the house that she says she's allergic to it. And so she needs to find a home for this little meow, little cat. So if anybody's interested, she's darn sweet. The middle way, and he talks about the necessity of the middle way. In Buddhism, they teach the middle way where you're walking down this path of the moment. You're not pushing away the stuff that is uncomfortable, nor are you grasping at the stuff that makes you feel good. You're meeting life with equanimity. Sure, there's going to be stuff that you want to possess and have and more of, and there's going to be stuff you don't want to have to deal with. No, the middle path is you walk down this path and you accept life on life's terms. And then a little cat will show up at your doorstep, Jan, Walk, Jan Johnson, meowing at five in the morning. Meow. And you'll go with a grateful heart. So this is the middle way. It's an opening of our heart thoroughly in the middle of all directions that life offers us. And in that opening, we find an inlet, letting the fullness of the experience flow through us and around us in order to soften and strengthen us at the same time. By meeting those difficult times in life, it strengthens us. And you can say, I can see clearly now the pain is gone. I can see all the obstacles that were in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day because I met the darkness. I met the contraction and I found it was a, a birth canal. Surprise, surprise. When I let go of the dream of yesterday, a new dream could form in my imagination. So in this way, staying in the middle path, in the center of the stream of life, and opening our heart in all directions is essential into finding our rightful place in the world. 
we meet life right where it is, we open our heart, and we discover that grace is waiting for us. So this is that awakened flow that he's trying to point toward. And then he says this, balance is not a leveling of the heart. It's not a regulation of how much or how little we should feel and express, but rather it's an opening. This balance is an opening. I am opening, I am opening. My heart is ready to receive whatever the moment is showing us. It could be a dark time and it's opening to find compassion. I actually went to that movie, The Killers of the Flower Moons, the other day, the three and a half Martin Scorsese movie that was as, as uncomfortable as it was, it was so healing because it's meeting the shadow of our country and our history in a compassionate way that this isn't acceptable anymore. What we did to indigenous people, what we've done to gay people, black people, women. I mean, we have some karma to face up to. And when you can face it with a sense of never again, this, I'm, you know, it's almost an anger at what happened, but yet a courage to say, this will never be happening again where you're gonna kill off our young indigenous women so that the white man can take their land in Oklahoma. Uh. So balance is not a leveling of the heart. It's not a regulation of how much or how little we're gonna feel and express, but it's an opening of the heart in the middle of everything so that it can receive all the dimensions of life and integrate them in a way that releases their aliveness. Could we find the aliveness in the death of an old way of thinking? I think we can. When we stopped oppressing women, gave them the right to vote, God, the world's been a much better place. Don't you women agree? I'm not going to ask you men because we know men are a challenge. So balance is not muting the degree to which we live. Balance is integrating the full presence of all of our capacities in the midst of whatever life brings us. So then we are the awakened light that walks into the world that's confused because we can see clearly now. We face the pain and we're not in that place called denial anymore. He goes on to give a little pearl of great price on the next page. He says, spiritual balance is more like pouring three different streams of water into one bowl and letting them merge and integrate into one complete water. The stream of forgiveness, the stream of acceptance, the stream of trust and faith. And we put them in a bowl and I trust this life to give me everything I need. I know that the freedom of my soul to express will find the way out and I will live in gratitude for this crazy world that we've all seemed to come together within. You know, it's so funny when I read that little phrase that when love is in your hands, that's all you need. I took the pug to class on Wednesday, which was our last class. We're gonna take off a week and then start our new class on November 8th. It's called The Grace in Aging. You all need it. Anyway, so Gigi, the pug was lying by Gigi's floor. She, she slipped off her little shoes and with her little blue toenails, she was rubbing her belly, his belly, not her belly, his belly with her little foot and it was going up and down the pug and he rolled over on his side and that was love meeting love. It's those little moments that I notice in life. That's the key. Two timeless qualities that will help us stay in an awakened flow. Two timeless qualities. On the inside is blessing and on the outside is responsibility. And as I read that little phrase, I went within and what blesses you in your life? I'm blessed by these beautiful gardens that are outrageously wild. But with that comes a responsibility to tend to these outrageously wild gardens where spider warts become an invasive plant and I've got all kinds of things growing everywhere. Could I see it as my responsibility to tend to the garden because it blesses me so much? 
And then I thought of the center here, how this center blesses me more than I can tell you. And I know that it blesses you. And there's one rule in the Inca spirituality, it's called sacred reciprocity. If you've been blessed by something, you owe it to give back in life. And so next Sunday, we're going to have a little opportunity to do that. After our breaking bread, we're going to do a little walking around and cleaning up a, a few areas. You know, there's some trees that are pushing their way up through the bushes and hither and yons. It just takes a mindful eye to, to tend to the garden. So that's a lovely little gesture. And also, my sweet husband reminds me, because most of you are forgetful, don't take that personally, uh, to put your clocks back an hour so you get an extra hour of sleep next week. So we put it, so it'll be, yeah. So it'll be, instead of uh, getting light at six, it'll get light maybe at um, five? Could it possibly, if you put your, yeah, I guess it could. But you'll get a little bit more light in the morning. So that's next week. And then, to remind you, on Saturday, November 18th, at the Pavilion on Monte Santa, we're having our annual picnic where Humphrey will be there in his little blanket that Serena made last year. We were up having the picnic last year, and he was sitting there shivering like a leaf. And he spoke to Serena and said, I need you to make me a blanket. And that next Wednesday, she came into class, and she had made him a little blanket. And he sleeps on that blanket. And you talk about a, an object of love meeting. It's love meeting love. Yeah. So it's, it's about blessing and responsibility. Facing inwardly, we discover and experience blessings. So I invite you to go within. What blesses me? The emanation of being in which we feel the awakened flow of life wash over us. I feel so blessed when he plays Chopin on Sunday mornings because he's taking me into that vibration of that beautiful soul. Facing outwardly then, we experience responsibility. Now, responsibility isn't that finger in the face saying, Michael, you're responsible for taking... No, responsibility is basically saying, I am able to respond instead of react. And so when I see there's a, a pug that's shivering, I can respond with love and make him a little blanky and keep him warm. I don't have to react and scream, why didn't you bring him something? No, I could respond. Facing outwardly, we experience responsibility and our ability to respond to the movement of life in this world is our job. Are we capable of responding in a proactive instead of a reactive way? Rest with that question. So when someone cuts you off on the freeway, are you going to go chasing after them in road rage? Or are you going to say they're having a bad day and send them the peace sign? Or are you going to give them another sign? It's your choice. <laughs> Facing outwardly, we experience responsibility, our ability to respond to the movement of the world. And being fully alive requires us to constantly turn our blessings into responsibilities. Well, I think that deserves to be said again, to turn your blessings into responsibilities. I am so blessed by every one of you. I feel responsible to... Not fix your life, but to, to just love you where you are. And that's enough. Our ability to respond to the movement of life in the world, being fully alive, requires that we constantly turn blessings into responsibilities by turning love and care and truth into justice. Turning love, care, hope and truth into justice. Justice. Through blessing and responsibility, we remain a conduit for this awakened flow. We remain a conduit. A conduit is an opening. So could we be an opening? Instead of saying, I am opening, I am the opening, I am the opening for love to flow and peace to reign. I am the opening for grace to show her lovely face. Now, grace is the unmerited givingness of the universe. It means you don't have to earn it. Another term for this awakened flow is grace. 
Now we're doing that book called The Grace in Aging because in this lovely book by this enlightened woman, she reminds us in the midst of our diminished capacities as we get older, we can find the grace right there shining right through. It says, slow down, my dear, be gentle with yourself. Not so fast, my little sir. You can walk, you don't have to run. Mm. Ultimately, grace reveals itself when we inhabit the web of kinship that animates all of life. The web of kinship, they're all our family. The indigenous people had it right. They said it was all the great mystery, and these are all our brothers and sisters. Somehow we decided that we humans were superior to the world outside us, and we got it wrong. So he basically says, we access grace by being real. It's time to get real, being authentic. And lastly, he says this, embodiment is the practice of authenticity. It is how the heart moves into the hands. It is how we open our heart in the middle of everything. How we open our heart in the middle of everything. And then you discover how you do anything is how you do everything. So could you open your heart when you're cleaning up the garden and you notice there's a little frog in your plant? Well, what's that frog doing in my plant? He doesn't need to be here. I'll just squish him. Or I could lift the little frog out and put him by the bird bath so he can be free to swim in the world and have his own expression of life. Yeah, so I wanted to uh, give you a little bit of Meister Eckhart. Meister Eckhart, he was excommunicated by the Catholic Church. He's the one that told them, he says, you have to kill God to know God. He was saying, you had to get rid of that old guy in the sky that will... Uh, have a flood and kill off everybody and then give you a rainbow. you got to kill God to know God. And then he would say things like, the only begotten is ever begetting itself in me right now. In other words, it's not something that happened way back when. It's something that's always happening. So could we be the space through which this divine presence wants to reveal it? That is the awakened presence. And just a little tiny taste. Tasting the God in everything. He says this. Uh, We often worry about where God is, while all the while God is wondering where we are. Well, where did you go? You you know, I'm just waiting for you. I'm always already there, but you got to turn to me. So where are you? Don't worry about the destination after all. It's not about heaven or hell. Your journey is on a wayless way. It's the pathless path, and you're already there. So where did you go? God didn't go anywhere, he's saying. He says, concentrate on that and don't concern yourself with where you should go or what you should do. It's not about how many Hail Marys you say or that if you've committed a sin or not committed a sin. Don't worry about the doing. Ask yourself, who am I being? And then he goes on to say, choose to live so that your whole life becomes love. Your whole life becomes love. And then you hear Ernest Holmes say, let love lead the way and the law will make the way possible. Well, he's telling you to let love lead the way, Serena. Choose to live so that your whole life becomes love. And when you do, the rest will simply follow. Open yourself to the radiance that shines in the dark. And when you can do this, you'll begin to taste God in everything and everyone, always and everywhere and in all ways. Always and everywhere and in all ways. My God, talk about taking the one seat. Wheresoever I look, I'll see the face of God and the little frog in the plant and the little cat on the front porch at five and my old dog on the steps who needs to go tinkle 
well, you know, I can't pick my hips up. I'm kind of in pain. Well, let me pick them up for you. I still got the strength of Jody. And if when I don't have the strength, I call her strength within me. I decided to close with a poem by Gigi Mejia because she's the embodiment of living in the awakened life. And throughout the many years that I've been her teacher and her friend, she will close our classes with one of her magical poems. And every now and then she'll bind them up and give them to me as a little gift. And I just have to open any one of them. And she's in an awakened flow. And so I'm going to read this little poem, and then I'm going to take us into a little um, song that we've created out of love, and we'll do a little collection. But this is, John Muir says this. He said, allow nature's peace to flow into you as sunshine flows into the trees. Allow nature's peace to flow into you. Well, I think he's having tantra. What do you think with the forest? And as sunshine flows into the trees. Open your petals and drink in the light of love. So here's Gigi's beautiful little poem that says, I see you. Beloved, she says, I see you. I see you in every blade of grass. I see you in the churning waves of the sea. I see you in the rose under my window. The ripe tomato that I happily ingest, its juice dripping off my chin. Oh, so blessed am I, so grateful, accepting the gift of a life lived fully in all of its ups and downs, in all of its ups and downs, in its diminished capacity and in its resilient capacity, I give thanks and am blessed. Oh, so passionately grateful. There's that G word again. Grateful, I'm so grateful. Oh, so passionately grateful for seeing, feeling, loving, Loving with an unspeakable intensity that words cannot express. You know, when your whole life is devoted to love, it's not something that you do just with one person. It's how you embrace the tree, the plant, the rock, the little bugs that come your way. Words cannot express it, she says. A presence without which nothing has meaning. That's a capital P. A presence which is everywhere, without which nothing has meaning, because the presence invades everything. Every breath, she writes, is an inhalation of love. Take a breath and do that. Every breath is an inhalation of love and healing, and every exhalation returns the love gratefully to the source. So when I breathe in, I breathe in the love and the healing of that present love, and as I breathe out, I offer that love gratefully to the source, receiving the gifts of life one breath at a time and blessing the life on its terms. Ernest Holmes. Some say love is letting go. Some say I don't know what love is. And so as we open to that question, we open to the discovery that love is waiting right there for us, asking us, where did you go? I've been waiting for you. And so we breathe into that love. We have a memory of love. I've spoke to you about my pets. I'm sure you have many stories about those that you've experienced that vibration of love with. So I invite you to conjure up a memory or two and invite that vibration of love to refresh its memory in your soul. And then you can invite the the image to just kind of dissolve like a sunrise, 
and you're still left with the light of that love in your heart, that awakened heart. You feel the flow of love moving through you with every breath. As Gigi's poem so beautifully described, you breathe in the love, and then you, as you exhale, you offer the love back with gratitude for this most amazing day, for all the beauty that's all around us and the beauty that's within us. And we discover the blessings, the so many blessings that life has brought. And inherent within those blessings are the responsibilities, the ability to respond to this life that is such a grace-filled blessing for all of us. So we journey into this present moment with gratitude. The fidelity to the journey, that this is the day the Lord has made and I rejoice and glad in it. To stay clear and authentic as we journey through life, knowing that we are on the precipice of growth right here on planet Earth and it must start from within and move without. And so as we affirm I am safe, it's only change, we open to the change that's necessary as we educate the heart once again, to lead the way so that the law can make the way possible because the heart knows oneness. And in this awakened flow of divine love, we journey together one breath at a time to serve the one that knows no other, reaping the grace and the gratitude of this commitment to be who we are and to love what is. Well, is it that simple? I think so. Just put the love into your hands and you're there. Well, okay. Thank you, Bert. Take a deep, integrating breath and say the heart salutation with me. I honor you. I bless you. I love you. You are the emerging well of love, revealing her beauty calling us to serve, to surrender, to trust, and to allow. What a privilege. And so it is. So Jan, would you grab those little collection boats? I forgot again. And uh, Bob, would you play us a little happy tune at the that little uh, Charlie Brown thing? Kind of an upbeat thing. <laughs> listening to our podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.cslhuntsville.org. To create a brand new